Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad that you have decided to join us for uh, season three or episode something. So I'll figure that <laughs> out sometime soon. Um, Carrie and I decided that we're probably going to go back to just a numbering system instead of trying to figure out what season we're in. Um, I know what season of life I'm in, but that's a whole different conversation. So today we are still at the beginning of 2022. And we all are very aware that 2020 and 2021 did not, they were not really what we thought they were going to be. And you hear a lot of people kind of joke about be very quiet. Don't make huge plans for 2022. You know, let's just, you know, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Sneaking in. Sneaking in. So we want you to sneak in, but we also want you to do something crazy. We want you to do things that are new. Carrie, when I say do something new, what does that mean to you? Especially if you're a director, like what does new mean? I mean, I think in this case, part of it means looking at what you've always done and deciding if that is what you want to do going forward. A lot of programs had to pivot, you know, during 2020, especially um, when it was like, oh, everybody's open, everybody's closed. No, you're only sort of closed. You're only closed to these parents. And um, so there was a lot of people having to pivot in 2020, and then a l- people went back as much as they could to what they had done in 2019 and 2021. And I don't know that that was the best business choice. It may be a very comforting life choice, but I don't know that that's the best business choice. What did you do in 2020 that you actually enjoyed at your program that you changed? Um, how can you grow that and make that even bigger and cooler? Um, I have to say, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but the um, at-home kits that programs were doing um, when they were closed, but parent they wanted parents to keep paying tuition. <laughs> Um, I think that we should continue doing that for when parents are taking their families on vacation or when kids have extended illness. Um, I think it helped with the, the bonding between the center and, um, the families, but that's what popped into my brain. I also think about doing staff training in very, very different ways, um, because people are tired of staring at zoom screens. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. So I want to talk about, because we're going to, we're going to do something new several times over the course of the year. So let's look at something new this time, specifically about staff training. We know that everybody who's listening has to do staff training. They have to get their own training. Um, Carrie's brought up a great point, right? So again, something that was new to us in 2020 uh, was definitely all the online trainings. And for some of us, this was great. We didn't have to worry about getting dressed. We didn't have to worry. Well, okay. Babysitters. We didn't have to, we, and so people got really comfortable doing a training while still managing their home life. So you would see kids come into the background of workshops and come and go, Hey mom, can I have mac and cheese? And the mom's like, yeah, hang on. I'll get it for you. And then she would go dark. And I'm like, does she really deserve training for that workshop? (laughs) She's off making mac and cheese. Is she really learning? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so now we, here we are on, we are starting the third year of the pandemic 
And we need to, as directors, and again, part of this ties into last week's episode about self-care, but we all need to get outside of our comfort zone a little. So let's talk about what that might look like for staff training or even personal training. You know, it's when's the last time you took a training that actually was not something you already knew all the answers to? (laughs) I I do it all the time, but I'm a weirdo. Um, (laughs) But I was talking to a director on Monday, actually, who had been a director for seven years, I think. And she'd been in the industry for, of course, longer than that. And she's like, I'm really tired of taking the same workshops, but I have to cover the same topics. And I'm like, in Texas, that is five of the 24 hours you have to have are, you know, specific. So you got 19 hours that you can do anything that is related to child growth or business management. So why aren't we doing interesting workshops about communication? I mean, communication is one that can do. Yeah. Kate has a great communication workshop that's all about Legos. Um, And I've never seen anybody go to Kate's communication workshop with Legos and not come away with a totally different appreciation for how people don't understand what you're saying when you're giving them directions. And what's really fun is that specific one is one that... um, It's very, very interesting as a manager to do that. It's even more interesting to pair up your staff. um, And then all of a sudden, all the light bulbs go on about why a lead teacher and an assistant teacher perhaps don't communicate well, or um, think about how that might work with you and the children in your classroom and you and the parents of the children in your classroom. So yeah, so definitely thinking outside of the box, coming up with new programs. Carrie, you were telling me one that I absolutely thought was a lot of fun. And I think what's fun about that is that it could also be done. You could probably do that with a lot of different centers and really make it interesting. So tell me a little bit about um, the painting one that you were talking about. Well, so there are people whose job it is to run parties where they teach you how to paint a thing. Um, so the first one I, I may have gone to other, yeah, I did. The first one I did was actually on a boat. Um, but the one that sticks in my mind was, um, we were painting Hogwarts castles and that part was fine because it was like, okay, so do some rectangles and triangles and you had some sky and you had some foreground. And they were like, and now put your Patronus on it. And I was like, was I supposed to know what that was before I came in? Like, (laughs) am I a badger? (laughs) Am I a duck? Like, what is my Patronus? I didn't know to like go on par. I might be able to draw. So I'm like snowman, kitty cat. (laughs) (laughs) But she wouldn't let us get away with that. She was like, no, no, no. Here's a list of Patronuses. And I was like, I don't remember anywhere in the Harry Potter books where it said it could not be a cat. I don't remember that. But so she walked us through the component shapes of the phoenix and somebody had a peacock and somebody else had a stag, I think. I don't remember what all of them were, but to me, you know, a deer is a deer. (laughs) It didn't occur to me that it had shapes inside it. Um, and her walking people through that and them doing it in pencil and then um, going in with paint, af- no, chalk, and then going in with um, paint afterwards was a bit of a revelation to me. And so I could see 
having someone come in and do a painting class and then occasionally having an early childhood person or if the presenter knows how to do it say okay well this is like how learning how to walk is like learning how to paint a deer. There's all these little shapes, little pieces that you have to get right in order for it to look like walking. Um, so it could be a way to have people think differently about the everyday developmental stages, or you could do it again as a communication workshop um, and talking about how communicating just with your words does not work if the other person doesn't have the same level of skill you have. Because if that person had not broken down, you know, the shapes of a phoenix, or I don't even remember what animal mine was, I was trying to look, the painting is in my, is in my living room. Um, but because she had more skill, she could explain it in a different way. And then she had to also show, and in some cases, literally take someone's hand and walk through a shape with her hand on the other person's hand. So I feel like it is a great, um, parallel for both communication and for child development. So I think that would be a fun workshop, a different way to do a workshop. And if you're really thoughtful about it, could be very impactful. Um, so I love... Let's brainstorm something else, just because I think that you... Ooh, are... how about positive guidance? Okay. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a couple of minutes and brainstorm some different ways that literally we have not talked about this before so don't think we've rehearsed to this um and you'll probably be able to tell really quickly that we didn't um but I want you as a director to get an idea how easy it is to think outside the box. And I realize that some of you are so in your box, you're not getting out. And even if the title of the workshop doesn't say exactly what you need it to say, you're still not going to think that maybe it, it, it fits in the box. So, so Carrie just said, let's brainstorm some out of the box ways to do positive guidance. So you said that really, really fast. So did something automatically come into your mind? Um, yeah. Um, having the, the staff brainstorm all kinds of different things that they don't like it when the kids do, and then have the presenter do all of those things and have the staff try to correct the behavior. And the person who's acting out doesn't correct the behavior until they use positive guidance to do it. <laughs> Okay, so you brought that up and right as you were saying that, I immediately thought of, you could also do that with adults with board games. So think about sorry. I mean, I don't know if you've played with anybody who's a little competitive on Sorry or Sorry Slide or any of those versions, Uno. I mean, think about how kids respond when somebody does a, a switch or a skip or, a, you know, does something intentionally to somebody else in the group. Um, so again, that might be um, a way, but you know, if this is a workshop at your own center, going outside to the playground and doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Yep. <laughs> like running up the slide and have the different and also I think part of what we forget as adults is how fun it is to use the equipment wrong it is fun to climb up a slide it is fun to um lay down underneath the swing while people are swinging over you and watch the people swinging over you like those are fun things to do throw those um, rocks up the slide so they can come back down yeah throwing the balls over the fence 
Who doesn't want to throw a ball over a fence? Come on, it's so much fun. The adult who has to go get it, that's who. (laughs) You don't like to throw the ball over the fence? Not if I have to go get it. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. The whole point is to behave like the children do when they don't have any boundaries and see how good that feels so that you can have a little bit more empathy when trying to correct that behavior. Absolutely. So, um, and I think you could probably take this to almost anything from a sensory table to an arts and crafts project, you know give a bunch of adults some watercolors and some paintbrushes and tell them they can do whatever they want to. You're going to have everybody with brown paint. Um, <laughs> you know, there will, there will be no yellow, green, blue. It will all be brown. <laughs> so um, let's see. What's another, what's one, of, let me, let me pull out the list of things we have to teach every year. Um, emergency preparedness. What's an out of the box way to teach emergency preparedness? Well, I think one way to teach emergency preparedness, whether it's really truly out of the box or not, is literally have people bring their emergency preparedness box from home. Um, Actually go with people and do a shopping trip to Walmart to create an emergency kit for people on their own, for their own, maybe for their classroom, maybe for the center. Um, Because I think that it's one of those things that a lot of us know about. We may or may not have done it. So why not do it? Like, let's. um, So, yeah. I think that is great. Um, Because when we think emergency preparedness and it says we have to do that, everybody's like, okay, so we're going to go over how to do a fire drill. They're doing it once a month. Please don't frickle frack and train them on it other than at orientation. They've done it every month. Well, I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And if you live, you know, regardless of where you live in the country, I'm pretty sure sometime in the last two years, you've had some natural disaster. It may not have been exactly in your town, but it was definitely in your state. And this could be wildfires. This can be tornadoes. This can be hurricanes. It can be, I lost power because, well, it froze. And we're it's not- an ice <laughs> storm. It's a blizzard. Yeah. It's uh, tornadoes. Yeah. And so for those of you who are listening that think that we're just a little cuckoo, um, because, you know, we live in Texas. However, in Austin, Texas last year, you know, in February, they had an ice storm and there were parts of town who had nothing for two weeks. So even in a place in the South (laughs) that you don't expect to have a cold and be ice storms and cause people to lose electricity. Well, but you know, who would have thought that New York City would have two tornadoes in the space of five years? I mean, not tornadoes, uh, hurricanes. Right. And, you know, that entire town that was wiped out by a, a tornado. See, I got them right this time. Kentucky. Or the, Kentucky. or the whole town and wildfires in Colorado this week. So um, absolutely. I mean, so to me, talking about emergency preparedness can look like all different kinds of things. And that goes the same with even your first aid. So again, another one of those classes you have to have pretty regularly. Um, Take that first aid, make sure that it's age appropriate, because a lot of times that doesn't happen um, automatically. So make sure that they're actually talking to you about how to treat, you know, an ankle sprain of a child. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that you don't need to know about your peers. So another thing that you could do when talking about or doing first aid is to talk about the things that your peers have had happen to them maybe in the last 20 years, depending on how old your peers are. Um, Because, and do you know everybody's 
and, and give people the option to share because, you know, medical, medical histories may or may not be something people want to share. However, if people do have allergies, it's probably a good thing to have an idea, right? You'd probably want to know who in the building will have anaphylactic shock if they get stung by a bee. Yep. That would be <laughs> um, something just popped into my head, which is, can we do wild, the, the wildlife, not wildlife first aid, the first aid that we do with the Girl Scouts when they're old. Um, wilderness first aid? Wilderness first aid. As long as they get their, their certificate at the end and it meets what your state licensing requirement is, why can't we, you know... You absolutely can. I mean, most wilderness first aid courses are 16 hours and they're a little more in depth. But again, it might be a lot of fun. And if you're going to do that, go look for one of the wilderness first aid classes that are actually taught like in the wilderness outside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but don't do that in your rainy season or your freezing season or your super hot season. Do it in a in one a- week the entire year if you're in Texas. <laughs> hey, you moved back here. I, I, so, so, you know, so there's some examples on a couple of topics. Um, the other things that are, you know, anytime we talk about curriculum, um, a lot of times you can sit in a workshop where that curriculum is nothing but talking. Let's make it appropriate. And I, and some people have heard us talk about this before, where when you're doing the change of year, getting your classroom already, all of that stuff. That, that can become staff training if it's started with a, we're going to come up with a concept as a program or a theme, and then they go and actually do it and, and make that theme happen in their classroom. Right. Um, so again, um, I like things like Monday morning action plans, but if I'm in a center, I forget Monday morning, let's go do it now. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's figure out how to use that now. Yeah. Okay. I had one more topic that I thought would be fun to see if you can do out of the box, which is communicable diseases. How can we out of the box communicable diseases? <laughs> well, so one that most people have probably seen, and if you haven't, um, I'm surprised, but I do know that not everybody knows this one, which is the hand sanitizer and glitter. Um, so if you haven't done it, basically it's putting glitter in some hand sanitizer. One person puts it on their hands and then you go around and you shake hands. It has to be the fine glitter, the fine glitter, none of this big chunky stuff. Um, you will find glitter for days. Um, once you do that. Um, so that's, you know, that is one that is very easy. And the other thing with communicable diseases is to, um, really look and understand what you can ask, what you have to share, what you have to know. And I would create that into some sort of maybe even bingo or scavenger hunt. Um, those are all things that I really like. Um, you could even do, um, they actually have. So if you've never Googled how to do an escape room, um, there are all kinds of ways and places online that help you come up with really fun escape rooms. And so if you're at your center, you've already got a bunch of classrooms, you can have them do uh, certain skills and have to come up with certain answers. And you could do them related to Ebola, COVID, you know, hand, foot, and mouth disease. <laughs> um, so I had another thought, which is, um, play a board game like life or monopoly or something where you play a lot of turns and replace some of the cards with diseases. And when you draw that, you have to go to jail if you're playing monopoly or if you're playing another game, you have to sit out that many turns 
Because how many days do you have to sit out if you get measles versus how many days do you have to sit out if you get amoebic dysentery? Like <laughs> there's a there's a significant difference in those. Um, and I think that could be fun. And you could do it with shoots. Heck, you could do it with shoots and ladders. You could do it with shoots and ladders. And I'm thinking, you know, and again, I think you could do some version of that even with something like Yahtzee or again, Uno, you just get skipped four times. So, you know, um, I think there's a lot of um, ways that you can do that, but I think it's worth definitely knowing um, the little things like what can you ask? In other words, what falls into HIPAA and what doesn't, what are things that you have to report? Um, you know, like I know that you and I had this whole discussion one time over tuberculosis, which I just thought was a really interesting thing that had to be reported when you think about all the things that don't have to be reported that we consider private. Um, so, you know, again, something to um, consider um, and, you know, having some real life applications. Um, and so if you don't have stories within your program, uh, talk to parents, talk to staff, see if anybody's got an interesting, you know, I traveled and got this bizarre disease and this is what happened to me. Um, Malaria! <laughs> um, or maybe- So much fun. Maybe Everyone should have it at least once. Maybe you have older relatives who went through something that, again, we don't think about because, you know, I'll use vaccinations as an example, right? Like we don't know a whole lot of people who've probably had measles or the mumps normally. You know, but we but we usually know somebody who's had chickenpox, but not everybody, right? Because there is a vaccine for chickenpox. So, um, again, if somebody wants to tell or share or whatever those stories, sometimes those can be a way to teach a subject that nobody likes. <laughs> everybody has, and you've had it more than once. And that same thing, um, again, you can do the same thing with. Um, foods and allergies, you know, you can actually make real life food modifications. So, you know, how do you make these five items without peanut butter? Um, you know, how can you teach this lesson without ants on the log? You know, are there other ways, you know, what else could you do? Because, you know, a lot of people are familiar with maybe one or two of those food bug examples. Um, but if you Google or Pinterest, you will find a whole bunch. So, and if you really work in your brain, you can come up with a whole bunch. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's more than just replacing with a sun butter, right? Because, you know, there's, there are, there's the easy out, <laughs> right? Which is just have a, a, a substitute, but there are definitely different ways to, um, you know, accommodate um, different choices. Yeah. And I think another thing that a lot of people, you know, hopefully nobody who's been listening to us for two and a half years uh, or for two years. Um, but a lot of people have a hard time with scheduling staff training. And I, it, it blows my mind. Um, but there are things that all of your staff has to be trained on, or there are issues going on at your center that you want everybody's input on before you change a policy. Do a staff meeting, people, um, or have a staff training. Have Bring somebody else in to facilitate it. Um, if it's a problem you're having at your center, hire somebody to come in for two hours do a training and facilitate figuring out what the change in policy needs to be. You don't have to be the bad guy. You really don't. 
Um, if you guys have failed your fire inspection, hire a retired firefighter to come in and do a training with you about why you cannot store the mats in front of the exit to that room. <laughs> I know you never use that door, but it's still not a good place to have the mats. Um, you know, a lot of times having somebody else come in who is different in some way really shakes things up with your staff. Um, I have a friend who uh, was a professional clown and she can do some amazing workshops. And people really pay attention to her when she has her red nose and her crazy wig and her giant shoes in a way that they never do to me. Uh, <laughs> okay, so everybody starts sending red noses to Carrie. <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, you brought up some great points there, Carrie, and it's really great to um, encourage your staff. And the other thing that with that, when you bring in those experts and they get to do it, is you also can implement it immediately. The other thing that I think works really well is if you're hiring staff and you have to train brand new people, include everybody, maybe in that age group, maybe, you know, especially if there's a topic um, that people are having issues around the whole program. If you've got to teach it to one, teach it to 20, <laughs> you know, um, especially, yeah, whatever the topic is, you know, whether it's the curriculum that you use, your school's philosophy, um, positive guidance. Again, if you're, if you're teaching one, you might as well teach 20. And if everybody could use a refresher, unless you guys are doing it expertly, um, maybe you're just going to do it outside the box because you want to, and you've gotten inspired by this, uh, podcast today. With that, if you have some ideas or you want to know what we would do for a topic that you have, go ahead, give us a challenge. Uh, we love actually out of the boxing. We think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> we get tired of teaching the same workshops too. So, um, you know, that kind of happens after a while. We're just in a while. A long time. People keep trying to tell me how long I've known them and I'm tired of it. Stop it. <laughs> I know how long I've known you, uh, <laughs> um, but we have been doing this kind of training for 20 years. This is our 20th anniversary week. This is a big deal. So like we're planning a conference because it's a big deal and we'll come up with a couple of out of the box things to do at that conference because it's us. Uh, more than a couple, but yeah. Um, and we hope that you guys, you know, share your stories with us. You know, even, even if the only way you know us is through this podcast, shoot us an email and let us know where you're from, what you like about the podcast, how you found us. We'd love to hear. Uh, we've definitely got some interesting folks, at least according to the podcast metric. <laughs> and know, if you want an invitation to the birthday to the birthday party, um, let us know and we'll be happy to send you a, a link to the birthday party because um, that'll be happening later this week. Absolutely. And thanks to, you know, various variants. Um, it, you know, everybody will get to participate because <laughs> it looks a little different than what we were hoping we were going to do. Yeah, we had a plan. We had a plan, but instead we're going to have to be out of the box in a different way than we wanted. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us at Colorful Clipboard. And uh, if you need anything, again, reach out to us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. 
If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show. <laughs>